0: You're listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette, episode 66. Welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette, that's me, the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human. More than anything, this show is home to honest conversations between real people. We're not trying to sell you anything, we're not trying to get you to fix yourself or your life or anything like that. There are no life hacks to be found here is basically what I'm saying. Instead, it's just a space to be real, to take a deep breath and talk about all the behind the scenes stuff that I think isn't talked about enough, like our fears, challenges and insecurities, our secret dreams, how it really feels to try and make changes in your life, what happens when you don't accomplish a goal and just the day to day truths of being human in a crazy world. As your host, it's so much fun for me to sit down with everyone from athletes, writers, and entrepreneurs, to parents, coaches, activists, changemakers, world travelers, adventurers, artists, the list goes on and on, and to bring those conversations to you. And fair warning real quick that this is an adult podcast, which means that we often cover adult topics and use adult language. So don't say that you weren't warned, because that is your little warning. My hope for you as a listener of this show is that it makes you laugh, think, and just feel less alone, because honestly, that's all that I ever want, to know that I'm not alone. Something else that's unique about this show is that it's now 100% community-supported, which means no ads, no sponsors, and no outside influence, just us, here together, sharing stories. The show is made possible by listeners like you, who have pledged $8 or more per eight-episode season. To do this, we use a platform called Patreon, and not only does your support go toward the funding goal we need to hit in order to keep the show going beyond the end of 2016, but your support also earns you access to exclusive bonus content. The bonus content includes conversations and interviews with wonderful guests that aren't aired publicly, plus you get access to the Squad Pod, a shorter version of Real Talk Radio where the guests are you, the members of the community. And coming in mid-December, there's something extra special happening for those of you who are in that Patreon community. A handful of your favorite past guests will come back to share a real talk end of year recap, including details about their 2016 successes, failures, and lessons learned, as well as their dreams and goals for 2017. And all of that will only be available to our Patreon support squad. So to get access to that, plus over 20 hours of other bonus content, just go to patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash Nicole And at the end of this episode, you'll actually get to meet one of our community members who joins me for a quick and hilarious game of would you rather and shares how great it is to be part of our Patreon community. So if you believe in this real talk revolution like I do, and if you're in the position to be able to support the show, I can't tell you how much that means to me. Right now, the show is scheduled and funded through the end of 2016, which basically means that this season, Season 8, could be our last season. But if we meet our funding goal by the end of the year, then we'll be able to continue into 2017 too, and you can totally help make that happen. So thanks so much for your support, and now let's dive right into today's episode. Today, you'll get to meet Dominique Jackson. Dominique is a professional runner who competed at the 2016 U.S. Olympic Trials in the Women's 800 Meters event. A Northern California native, she attended the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and recently moved to Sacramento to work as a volunteer coach at Sacramento State University. In addition to running, she's a self-described undercover foodie and interior design junkie, all of which collide on her website, nickyshaven.com. In this episode, she and I go deep into her life as a runner. We talk about perfectionism and self-doubt and about what her self-talk sounds like when things get hard during a workout or a race. She also shares about her childhood, growing up with two drug-abusing parents, and how running was her ticket to afford college, create a better life for herself, and set an example for her younger siblings. She also talks honestly to me about her experience at the 2016 Olympic trials and the complex emotions of not making it out of the preliminary round herself and then watching her friend Kate Grace, who competes in the same event, go on to win the finals and head to Rio. All in all, this is a conversation about pushing yourself, about not getting stuck in a cycle of bad choices, and about the courage you need in order to take risks and try to be the best. I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. Awesome. We are good to go. Dominique, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be on the show. So we were just talking about all of your different nicknames. Tell me, tell me all your nicknames.
1: Okay, so I have DJ, which my current coach gave me in high school, but I'm really not allowed to be called DJ because that's my brother's nickname. (laughs) Um, Dom, which I don't know when that came along. It might have been in college at some time. I have Deej um, for my best friend. I've been called uh, Olive Oil and Elastigirl and a couple other ones in there
0: (laughs) well those are fun now I'm jealous I have no uh, cool nickname I feel like this has come up on an earlier episode too where you know like maybe you're just that type of person where uh, people just nickname you and for whatever reason I guess I put off like an unapproachable nickname ability because no one like ever I don't know I think I had one person that tried to call me Nikki once and I was like no that's not we're not gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) um so set the scene for me where are you in the world where am I talking to you just describe what's going on right now for you
1: right now I am currently um living in Sacramento now um I moved out to Sacramento maybe three weeks ago it possibly maybe two weeks ago I'm not sure on time limit because I've been crazy busy um I am currently a volunteer coach at Sac State now. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, follow my coach. Um, he got the coaching position for the distance and cross country um, here at Sac State. And he was very adamant about making me a volunteer coach as well. Um, so that is the gist of that. And I just decided to up my life and move 45 minutes away to come to Sacramento and fully immerse myself in training, coaching, um, and the life of Sacramento state. Well, that's exciting. Congrats on that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Okay. So being a volunteer coach, is that like being an assistant coach? Like what does that mean specifically for what your role is?
1: So it's basically an assistant coach without getting paid. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> okay.
0: Good answer. <laughs> um,
1: so I, uh, am coaching the athletes. Um, from time to time I will work out and run with them. Um, mainly the, the women. Um, I am on the course at meets running around, giving them splits. Um, same with what happen during track season. Um, and then in the offices, I'm doing a lot of help with uh, recruiting paperwork or making documents or anything that has to do with distance, but also like sprints, hurdles. I'm kind of helping all the coaches out with computer techie stuff as well because I'm kind of good at that.
0: So for you taking this position, because obviously you just said volunteer means that you don't get paid. Is this kind of a first step into what you want to do? Like, Do you want to move on in the coaching world?
1: Yes, it is one of the many things on my radar. Um, I'm kind of a scatterbrained, have my thumb or finger fingers on everything. Um, coaching has, I've coached high school uh, with my coach, um, who's now the coach at Sac State, um, for four years before he got here. Um, and I kind of found my niche in it and groove, and I like it. It's frustrating. I think all coaches can say at sometimes it's frustrating, but then it's um, rewarding all in one. Um, and I've always thought if I'm going to coach, I want to coach on the college level, um, so this is like a perfect step in that direction of getting the experience. Um, if I ever want to take that route, um, down the road right now, I am focusing on my running. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent sure what career path I want to go down. There's a lot of, I have a passion for marketing and social media. So that's something that is still at the back of my mind, um, but coaching is still there, too. So
0: Interesting. Well, I mean, and you said you're only a couple weeks into this, too. So it's this is very, like, real-time, real talk. So it's good.
1: Yeah. I like
0: talking to people when they're, like, in the midst of stuff, right? So it's like, yeah. So <laughs> tell me the story of how you first got into running.
1: So I was a freshman in high school who uh, had been playing basketball for 10 years and had was on the JV basketball team and was excited about that. And, um, at the end of basketball season, um, you know, you get that choice of, you know, taking time off and then going into another sport. You know, you're a freshman in high school, you can kind of choose and do what you want to do. Um, but my coach was like, Oh no, you're running track. And I was like, I don't run. <laughs> like that's, that. I was like, I hate running. Do you see me, I hate running up and down the court. I'm going to run track. That's too much. (laughs) Um, And somehow they convinced me to do it because if I didn't run, I think he said if I didn't run, I wasn't going to be able to play summer basketball with the team. So, of course, I went out and ran. Um, I wanted to play softball. That was not a question. They did not want they were like, "You're not playing softball." <laughs> um, so uh, the first day that I like remember for track practice, um, we got out there, we warmed up, we did all our stretches, and then it was kind of like, "Okay, what do you want to do?" Um, and I was like, "I really don't know because I had never run track. I've n- never ran more than up and down the basketball court, except for like in middle school when you run the mile." Um, and, uh, they sent me to learn the triple jump.
0: <laughs> okay. So what is the triple jump for people who don't know?
1: Um, the triple jump is a, uh, horizontal jump that, um, takes like, there's three phases. So, um, I'm, I'm probably going to totally screw this up. um, it's a skip, a hop, and a jump, I believe. Um, and basically you plant on the board on the last phase, and then you are into the sand pit. Okay. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm a little coordinated. I think I can do that. Um, yeah, when they started showing me the skip, hop, jump, you got to put it all together but you got to run first. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not that coordinated. (laughs) I was like, I'll just, I'll just run. (laughs) Really don't want to be out here. I'll just run. Um, so then, um, from there it was like, okay, well I'm a sprinter. I'm fast. I'll run the hundred, the 200, we'll call it that. Um, so I kind of started off with that, the one, the two, Um, sometimes they threw me in the 400 in the four by four. I was on the four by one relay. It was fun. It was great. But midway through the season, um, is in April for the Stanford invite. They actually back in the day used to have the four by eight for, um, high school. I don't think they have it anymore. So my coach needed another person to run the four by eight cause they were short one girl and he said I was going to run it. I was like, I haven't run anything over a 400. How do you <laughs> run an 800? <laughs> um, and he goes, just go out and run and compete. I know you can do it. It's totally fine. I was scared cause I thought I was going to die and let my teammates down. And, um, um, but we ended up doing really well. I don't know what we, I don't remember what we ran or what place we got, um, but I do remember my coach going, oh yeah, you're running the 800. You just split 219. So then you had a new event. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm excited. Like, I didn't know what 219 was. I didn't know if that was good. Uh, I guess that was good. Like, I'm a freshman. I don't know anything. (laughs) Um, So from there on, it was just wildfire. And um, at the end of my freshman year um, at sections, which is the meet right before state. So you qualify out of sections to get to state. In California. Um, And I had made it to finals in the 800. And I was in position because only top three from my section made it to state. Um, I was in position with about 150 meters to go. And I missed it by two spots. Oh, how did that that, feel? I I bawled like a baby. It was like, my coach was like, are you okay? I thought you didn't like running. I thought you didn't like this. I was like, I don't, but I wanted to go to the state. <laughs> and then since then, I've been hooked. Isn't it funny that
0: sometimes we don't realize how important something is to us until like we either like it doesn't go the way we want or it's almost like, I mean, failure, if you want to use that word, is what makes you be like, wait, actually, I do care about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, so let's stick with that topic for a while. Um, any other noticeable, I mean, I, again, I don't know if failure is the right word, but where things didn't turn out the way you wanted them to with running that really stick in your mind? Um.
1: I to me I think it was I had a lot of success in high school but I still felt like I was an underdog um my senior year I won um the state meet in the 800 in 20609 which was big it ended up being the second fastest time in the nation in 2007 but I wasn't happy because I was the second fastest time <laughs> in the nation Um, I was like yeah I just want to say title but I'm only second in the nation Um, so then it was like but I still felt like no one knew who I was Um, and I think that's what's kind of drove me in high school um, and a little bit in college Um, but then I was perfectly fine in college my first two years I got a new coach my junior year And then didn't end up doing well. Um, So it was something that was a failure to me because I didn't make nationals for the first time. And I didn't run um, fast to what I thought was fast. Um, And it was like, okay, now I need to reevaluate. And do I still want to do this? Do... I need to change training? Do I need to transfer? Do I need to... I don't know what I want to do. I'm 20 years old. (laughs) Um, But from there, it was like, okay, I love this. Um, You've failed this year, but what can we do for next year? You want 2012 trials. So let's get back on the grind and figure out how to do that. So, yeah.
0: So uh, I'm always curious on kind of the mental and emotional side of getting over setbacks. Like what is your, how do you do that? Like for you personally, like what works for you when you, when something doesn't go the way you want to what basically like what allows you to not give up?
1: Um, Well, I feel like I give up a lot. (laughs) Okay, say more
0: about that. That's interesting. Uh,
1: There are certain mental battles that I deal with of, like I actually just had one earlier this week, um, a talk with my coach because we've kind of been in um, like a lull with training. um, And it's been kind of like, well, I don't feel like I'm doing too much, and I was tired because we upped my mileage, and I hadn't taken a day off, and yesterday was my first day off in like 18 days, Um, and I just didn't feel good, and I was like, I don't think I'm that fit. Like, I'm not as fit as last year. I just don't believe it, and I don't, um, I just, I don't, I don't, like, I was like, am I good still? (laughs) Um, and he's like, uh, yeah, I've seen enough like that you've done in the past couple of weeks that you're fine. Um, so I have a lot of mental battles because I'm more of a, what have you done for me lately type of person. So I need like immediate like work or something that shows me that I'm ready to go, um, Or I start falling back into, uh, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, I don't know if this is working. Should I be running this many miles? Um, But today I was proven wrong with my workout. (laughs) Um, And then I go, okay, I'm fine. Um, But most of the time, sometimes I don't have that. And I just need to go back through my running log and see what I did the last couple weeks and go, okay, you're fine. Shut up. Like <laughs> y- be a big girl, like get over it. You don't feel good right now. You'll feel good later. Um, so that's kind of how I deal with some things. Um, and a lot of it also is getting it from my coach. Like I'll say that and he'll give me what he gave me. You're fine. I've seen enough in the last couple weeks where you'll be good. Like, don't worry. He's like, I'm positive that the training is going in the right way um, and it's moving along right and we're going to be set up perfectly fine. So he is a big help with the mental aspect and the mental side of when I start doubting myself. Yeah, you just hit
0: on something that I think I didn't even realize that I do as much as I do until you said it. It's this idea of like, you, it's like you let like one thing or one small doubt or one, like all of a sudden, like overshadow like all of what's true and like all the perspective right where it's like well I'm feeling kind of tired so therefore I'm not fast anymore I might as well quit I'm not gonna be able to do that <laughs> you know like yeah. it's so funny how we take <laughs> and I, d- I definitely do that too like I I mean even out of the out of the running context like there's so much... and my husband functions in this a role of kind of what you just said about your coach where I'll like not sleep well for one night and then all of a sudden I'm like convinced I'm never gonna sleep well again and I'm gonna get sick and then I'm not gonna be able to run and I'm not gonna be able to go to school and he's like just really like you're gonna sleep you're fine it was one night and there I am like completely on the edge of a meltdown (laughs) yeah like it's it's funny how uh, like we make one thing mean so much more than it means and so I love what you said about keeping a you know like a really diligent running log and then looking back over it to just kind of remind yourself oh right like it does get better like it reminds me of um my friend Esme who was on a bunch of seasons ago um and we talked about um Like when you have limitations of any kind, whether it's like mental health or other things, she does a lot of journaling and uses her planner in a way that's like really detailed. So when she's having a down day or like when she's not well, and it feels like, oh, I'm never going to be well again to be able to look back and be like, oh, no, there's lots of good days. Like you need sometimes that reminder.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: And yeah, just so would you say that self doubt or like thinking that? you're not good enough. Is that the most reoccurring mental challenge for you?
1: Yes. Totally the most reoccurring one. (laughs) Has that always been the case? I think it has. And I think that's what kind of has driven me um, more of the self-motivated part of it of, well, I don't think I'm good enough. Well, okay, I'm going to push myself to think I'm good enough. Um, And I think that's what's kind of kept me going um, when I've had, plenty of people go, why are you still running? Well, I think there's more. Like, even if someone on the outside goes, well, you're probably tapped out, or scientifically, this is how much you can go. I'm like, I don't know, because I think I have more. I don't know why I think I have more. I don't know what's given me the idea that I have more, but I don't feel that, um, well, with the self-doubt of, okay, well, Maybe I could have pushed myself a little more in that workout. Well, is that going to get me a half second in the eight? So next year, if I do this, this, and this, am I going to get a little faster? Um, and I think it's, I, the self-doubt is probably not the best. It It isn't the best. Um, but I think it kind of keeps me going, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I, make, I mean, I think that anytime we talk about like challenges or mental blocks, like I think it's a really fine line between when it like really pushes you and motivates you and when it's something that like weakens you and takes it's all about like kind of like how far you let it go because what I'm hearing from what you're saying is this desire to push your limits and see what's possible which I would say is an awesome thing right but like I see how with that comes the self-doubt and like even that phrase good enough like what does that even mean do you have like with running a thing in your head where you're like this is what I'm trying to reach or this is what good enough looks like or do you think it's always just about seeing if anything else is possible
1: I think it's all about seeing what else is possible. Um, I, me and my coach have a saying that anything is possible. Um, And then he's always told me from the beginning that you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. Um, So I think that's always been in the back of my head. Like, okay, I ran two Oh two last season is two Oh one possible. Like if it's possible. I'm going to try for it.
0: Yeah. Like I mean, and you, well, and you're not going to know whether it is possible unless you try for it. Right. So it's kind of like a catch 22 of, well, might as well go for it. Yeah. 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 So when, uh, so obviously you, you join, tr- you track reluctantly, right? Like you hate running. You don't want to do this. <laughs> when did you start to dream big as an athlete? Like when did, because I, obviously I saw you run at the Olympic trials, you know, this year. So like, when did it get in your head of, oh shit, like I'm going to, I'm going to do this.
1: Um, it was 2006. After my junior year, I had the junior school year had just ended. Um, And me, my coach, and a very supportive teammate flew out to North Carolina. Um, In Greensboro, they hold the um, outdoor nationals there. Now it's New Balance, but back in my day, it was Nike. It was the Nike outdoor nationals, and that was my first time flying. I think that was like my first time flying and then um especially 3000 miles away. Um so we went there and I had run 212 at the state meet that year, um which was I think like a week or so before that. And I was like, okay, we're going. I'm going to run. It's only one race. My coach of course knew way more of what I was capable of than I did. Um, and I went out and I got second to Chanel price. Um, I think she had run like two Oh five or two Oh four that year. Um, and I ran two, two Oh eight. I believe I ran two Oh eight. Um, and we were on our way back. We were on the plane on our way back to California and I'm sitting on the plane and I turn to my coach and go, if I did everything you said, what do you think I can run? Mm,
0: that's a good question.
1: And he turns to me and goes, what? You don't do everything I say now? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, okay. He goes, fast. So from then on, it was like, all right, like I want more and I want to see how fast I can get. And I just was in a race with someone who ran two Oh four and I want that next year. Um, and it also opened up like when I ran that, it opened up possibilities for college and paying for college. Um, which was big. I wanted to go, didn't know where I wanted to go, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was like, this is going to pay for college. And my coach was like, yeah, and it's going to pay big time for college, anywhere you want to go. And I was like,
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm in. You sold me. I'll do everything (laughs) you say. Um, Had you, before that, were you planning to go to college?
1: I had ambitions of going to college. Um, in my family, only one person had gone and graduated. Um, so it was in the back of my mind that I wanted to go, but it was like, do I go to a JC? Do I go to a four year? I didn't have any of that planned, um, at all. Um, so when everything kind of started to click, it was like, I can go to a four year college, I can get it paid for, and I can have an education. I was like all right like I'm sold like I I want to do that and I then started from there actually dialing in everything academics got better and um and that was like my June the end of my junior year and I'm going into my senior year now getting my act together um but I really believe that that moment was the moment that I was like I want more for my life not just running but for my life and I think that was probably like the best moment like yeah I mean like four years in high school
0: (laughs) I imagine that that also changed how you felt about running because it wasn't just like a sport or an extracurricular activity like now this was like a way to have all of
1: these other things yeah um because I mean when I was younger I thought You know, because I was a big basketball player, I thought, you know, oh, I'm going to make it, like, and I'm going to be in the WNBA and I'm going (laughs) to. But then that didn't really pan out because I got to high school and I was like, I'm not that good. Um, (laughs) I was like, I'm decent. So I'm probably not going to go to the WNBA. And then it was like, okay, well, that was a dream. Now I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. Um, and when running gave me the possibility of more and bigger and better things for my life, I didn't know what else to grab onto, but that.
0: Yeah. And something that, um, you wrote in a blog post for Wazelle that I wanted to ask you about, you said something interesting about how you don't have to follow a cycle of bad choices. Can you talk about that a little more?
1: Um, so I grew up in a drug abusive home, um, with my mom, my mom and my father were, um, on drugs. And so I am one of, well, I'm one of five, but, um, four. So I have an older brother who's four years younger or older than me, a brother that's four years younger than me. And then one that's six years younger than me. Um, so we kind of grew up supporting each other and kind of, uh, grew up faster than we would have liked because of the situations that we were, um, in when we were younger. Um, so I think we together, I mean, I don't think it was ever like an official pact, but we together knew we didn't want to fall into that cycle of any type of drug abuse or alcohol abuse or any of that. Um, and we want it better for our lives as a whole. Um, so that was something that I think also, that also just drives me, period. And then also setting an example. My older brother didn't go to college. So I was the example that was set for my younger brothers to go to college, and then, which is crazy, um, I was the first one to graduate um, from college out of our, the siblings, Um, my little brother, he um, graduates next spring, Um, my older brother is on his way to get his bachelor's, and my younger brother is in college. And it's from coming from two parents who were in and then in community college and dropped out and had kids early and drug abuse. And I think we're doing pretty damn good. (laughs) I mean,
0: I can hear when you talk about your siblings that you're really proud of them.
1: Yeah, I am. Yeah. So, I mean, when you said that you wanted to
0: be you know, a good example or role model. I don't know the exact word that you use, especially for your younger siblings. Did that ever feel like, I don't know, almost like too much pressure or like I'm curious about your kind of like mental state, especially since it sounds like you were relatively young when you were put in that position.
1: Yeah, um, it's funny. They probably will tell you that I act like their mother, Um, which (laughs) I I do. Um, I'm protective and I'm... A little micro managing <laughs> at times, and uh, put down the discipline hand, and my older brother took the dad role, um, and it. I don't think I ever looked at it as it being frustrating or overwhelming at any time, um, because they're my life kind of thing they're like I would do anything for them um and it's to me it's like that's what you're supposed to do for family um and we just kind of grew up real tight-knit so um for me to set the example and get the ball rolling it was a plus it was a positive Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah, so,
0: okay, what's something, let's say hypothetically, if I were talking to your younger siblings, um, uh, that you think they would say that they have learned from you?
1: Uh, Dedication. Well, they would probably say being hard-headed, but... (laughs) (laughs) But you get to
0: rewrite this however you want, so dedicated, yeah. (laughs)
1: yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Dedication and hard work. And what's something that you think
0: you've learned from them?
1: Mm, That one's hard. Um, Possibly from my younger brother, who's six years younger than me, um, of letting stuff go. Um, He's very, uh, he can let stuff go very easily. He's very black and white. um, So it's like it's this or it's that. And if it's not, then I don't care.
0: <laughs> so he doesn't sit around and obsess about things for weeks at a time. Like it sounds like you and I both do. <laughs>
1: yeah. He, um, and it's funny cause I was with him yesterday and we were talking about something. Um, I forget what it was. And I was like, well, you know, and he goes, okay, let it go. <laughs> and I was like, How do you do that? Uh, (laughs) Yes. It's not that easy. He goes, yeah, it is. (laughs) And I was like, okay. Um, But, I mean, he's about to be 21 and he can teach me that. I'm fine. I'm 27 and I still haven't grasped that. I learn that from him all the time when I talk to him. Um, My brother that is about to graduate next year, who's four years younger than me, I have started to pick up more which it's funny because I am now his coach um, <laughs>
0: for running I, you mean
1: yes because he runs he runs at Sac state so um, but more so on the personal level probably being a little more sensitive because um, he's our sensitive bear um, I've learned that there are times it's fine for me to just be Vulnerable and sensitive, and it's okay to cry and um, to talk because he's he's kind of like that. So Mm,
0: I love that. I love like hearing what other people have learned or picked up from the important people in your life like even it sounds like I can hear a lot of emotion when you talk about your coaches um so I'm curious maybe your current coach or any previous coaches what you feel like are some lessons that they've helped you with or ways that they've helped you become maybe a better runner a better person
1: so my current coach now was my high school coach Um, the one who on the airplane was like, if I do everything you say,
0: what's going to happen? That one? Yes. Okay. Oh, good. So you guys go back a long ways.
1: Yes. So he's known me since I was 14. The only time that he has not coached me was the four years that I was in college. Um, so he has been a father figure role for me. Um, and he has taught me to dream big and to, not fall into cycles and to have values. And so he's a big, big role in a lot of my development as a young lady. Um, and he even pushes me today um, with, if I'm doing something in the office for everybody, it has to be perfect. You don't do anything that's not perfect. Um, so kind of a work ethic um, on and off the track that he's taught me. In college, um, Mike Whittlesley was my coach for the first two years, um, at Carolina. He is now the coach at the University of Kansas. Um, he taught me that it's okay not to be perfect all the time. Mm. Um, I always thought I had to hit certain workouts and do certain things and be at the front because that's what I was used to in high school. And he taught me it's okay and everything will fall in place when it's supposed to um, in running and in life. So I valued the time that I had with him.
0: Yeah, that's great. I I saw I was looking when I was looking at your athlete profile on Wazelle and like one of the things they ask you for is like a quote about kind of your philosophy of training life, whatever. And I love the one that you picked that I had a question about. So the quote was in every true champion, you'll find desire, determination, passion for the sport and the courage to be the best. And I thought that end part was really interesting, like that idea that I don't know. Like, I think that every, like desire, determination, passion—sure, like everyone can agree on that. But what does that mean to you? The idea that it takes courage to be the best.
1: Um, it's funny because me and my coach kind of just touched on this with some of the athletes earlier this week, um, because they're heading into NCAA West uh, Cross Country Regionals next Friday, and um, we believe that you have to be courageous to set out to do something that's never been done before. Um, a lot of people say they want to do things, um, or they want to achieve something. Um, but they're not willing to step out of their comfort zone, um, to achieve those things. They think they can do the same thing and get the same results. And, um, the courage to be the best in the end of that quote, um, resonated with me a lot. Um, I actually got that quote from the NCAA hall of champions in Indianapolis. And I went there my junior year, um, cause I was in Indianapolis for USA junior nationals and me and my coach, um, current coach and high school coach went to kind of see the sights. And that stuck out to me because that's something that he kind of drilled into me. If you're going to say you want to do this, have the courage to go pursue it. So
0: yeah, I think, yeah. I don't know. I think that's it's so interesting because I mean, I, so I was, when I, I read that a couple times and it definitely uh, stuck out to me because I think it's not something like the word courage or the idea of courage isn't something that you necessarily hear a lot when like just even in the realm of athletics or just the way people talk, like they talk about drive and determination, right? And like focus and discipline and passion or even like having fun. But I feel like the idea of courage is so interesting because it's like the courage to be the best. It's almost like the courage to take the risk that might not pay off, right? Like I remember I watched um, the Flow Track uh, Driven series that Kara Goucher did. And that she was like talking about... One race. I think it was the World Championships that she meddled in, and that her coach was like, "You you might as well just go for it because what's the difference if you like play it safe and finish tenth or like go you know completely blow up and finish tenth? Like you know what I mean? Like what which yeah. one gives you the chance of actually like doing something great? That like I don't know if I'm like making the correct parallel, but that's what I feel like courage has to do with. And obviously, this applies to more than just sport, but this idea that like once you know your skills and you know, like you know what a relatively like predictable result would be for you. And in order to go one step further, you have to have the courage to like basically be willing to fuck it all up, you know, like to have to have the risk not pay off.
1: Yeah, you had to risk it all. Why not? Um, And it's talking about that and risking it. I did a little, I did that today in practice. So today um, I had a VO2 Max workout, which is a velocity, like a max velocity workout, um, but more on the longer distance side. So um, I had an 800 meter rep at 245, and then three minutes active rest, then a mile at um, f- well, I was supposed to run five, 45. Um, but I ran five thirty one. Um, and then three minutes rest, um, active recovering And then a, a two eight hundred at two fifty. Um <laughs> which started, like ridiculous those, times, but you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but those are, those were done right. Those were on two fifty, exactly, because he kinda got after me about running too fast on the mile. um and then the last mile so it was 800 three minutes rest 800 three minutes rest and then a competitive mile go see what you can run for a mile
0: like basically all out
1: kind of sort of yeah so he gave me a stipulation and told me I couldn't run faster than 250 through the 800 and then Go ahead and challenge yourself and and risk and see what you got the next 800 and see what you can run. Um, And I was like, okay. And I put a a number in my head. Um, I was like, I want to run this. Um, And went through in 250 or actually went through in 248. And then was like, well, you might as well start pressing on the lever right now. And you're gonna hurt the last 150 regardless, and just just go for it. And I started pressing on it maybe a little sooner than I should have, <laughs> um, and because the last 150 really hurt. <laughs> um, but then I crossed the line and ran 519, and I wanted to run 520, mm. so.
0: That must feel good, especially like on the heels of your earlier (laughs) in the week meltdown of am I even fast enough to do this? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, those, I mean, obviously, like I said, like those times sound like ridiculous crazy pants to me, but in my own (laughs) realm of running experience, it's, I mean, that feeling is the same of like when you push yourself to do something that you didn't think you could do. And I even find, I mean, I don't know how you feel. Obviously it's like you're a professional runner, like, so nailing it in the races is of course super important, but I think there's something that's special about doing it when not when no one's watching, but sort of, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like being able to push yourself that hard when it's not this like really exciting race environment.
1: Yeah. Um, I feed, um, off of, uh, workouts, um, because I know, so I'm a different type of bird. Um, me and my coach say this different type of makeup because, um, of how fast I can run on like. In a race to what my workouts equivalent to because it's never science, never is right.
0: (laughs) What do you mean? Which way? Meaning that your workouts indicate that you should race faster or the opposite?
1: The opposite. (laughs) Okay. So I run 202 and I can run 54, but. It's funny, so if I can run two oh two I should be able to run like four teens for a fifteen. I can't do that.
2: <laughs> it's just Interesting. It's not
1: it's just my body makeup just we're trying it this year, so hopefully that happens. But um but in workouts, usually if people were to look at my workouts and then look at my race times, they're like you're workouts are far below what you're racing. Um, So what do you attribute
0: that to? Like, what is it about the race environment?
1: I'm a competitive person. I'm very, very competitive. Um, And it's easier for me to set a goal for a race than it is for practice. Um, So that is, it's like, okay, so I want to run which I'm always above my coach when he thinks I'm... I was like, oh, so this season I'm going to run two flat. And he goes, okay, I'm thinking 201. (laughs) And I was like, okay. but So I dream big and bigger than he does. He dreams pretty big too, but um, I dream bigger. Um, But workout-wise, I feed off the longer stuff because i know that it's going to pay off for the my short race mm-hmm. and even though it might not be gosh awful fast because there are women that run 201 202 and can probably do my workout way faster than i can but that's my vo2 max range. And that's what I'm going to work with. And I was happy today because I ran 530 and 519.
0: And that's fast for me. I mean, it's incredibly (laughs)
1: fast. Um, So you mentioned dreaming big.
0: What are your specific, I don't know, 2017 running goals? Or like, what's what's on your what's on your list right now? So um,
1: 2017 running goals are actually a tad bit different than normal. Um, I usually, when I make my goals after, um, my previous season, it's always a time goal. Um, this year I made my goals for 2017 and they did not have a time attached to them. What do you mean? So last year I made the goal. I was like, oh, I'm going to find it. <laughs> um, I know I wanted to run like two Oh one, like eight, I believe. Um, but I ended up running 202, Um, and, uh, I was like, where season goals? um, yeah, so I, actually I wanted to run two flat 0.8. <laughs> um, and I usually would start off by, okay, this is what I want to run for a 5K. This is what I want to run for my four-mile tempo, um, indoor eight. I started off like that. And then I would work my other goals around that. Okay. Um, this year, I started off with where I want it to be so i want to be in a final at usa indoors
0: okay when is that
1: that is march um yeah it's in march yeah yeah march 2nd through the 5th is indoor nationals
0: where is it Uh, next year albuquerque new mexico okay so you want to be in a finals okay cool i like it
1: and i don't know if i want to because last the Two years ago, they did a 1K, um, and I've been kind of hoping that they do. I don't. I haven't checked the schedule if they're going to do a 1K race again, um, and I, I would like to do that. Or if not, then it's an 800, but I'm leaving it open to whatever event I choose. I want to be in a final. Um, and then I want to be in a final at USA Outdoors. Which is at the end of June, Um, and then my final goal was race smart, race to win each race.
0: So, oh my god! Well, first of all, I love this. This is like (laughs) very exciting. I love these goals. Uh, I I had like a moment where my brain froze, and I just thought about all of the fun like track races to watch and spectate next year because I love all of that. So, (laughs) anyway, moving on, I'm like, oh man, USA's is it in Eugene again? No,
1: it's actually in Sacramento at Sac State.
0: Real? Oh, home field advantage, girl.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, well, I guess I'm making the trip down there. That sounds fun.
1: Um, okay,
0: so how much of this was dictated by your experience at the Olympic trials this year? All of it. Okay, actually, so tell me
1: about that. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I think it was a lot just from the whole past, the whole season, um, not just trials. Um, and I think it was mainly because I knew I needed to hit a qualifying standard cause I hadn't hit qualifying standard for trials. And I was like, I know I need, I need to run two Oh two because two Oh three m- is not going to make it. Um, and, uh, that's kind of what I was focused on. Um, and I didn't want to be focused on that anymore. um, I didn't want to be focused on a time. Um, It was time to get back to high school, kind of my high school mentality of put yourself in it and go win. Yeah. Um, And which I've kind of strayed away from the last four to five years of my career. And I kind of just wanted to get back to that. And I think um, at trials, I – A lot of people ask me about my experience at trials and and ask me if I'm upset with how things turned out. And that was an emotional roller coaster all in itself because after my race, I actually did not cry. And I was not upset Um, uh, until July 4th when Kate won and tears and the floodgates opened and emotions came out and it was like hello <laughs>
0: wait i had some feelings about this then <laughs> these are dormant feelings. yeah i mean i can't i honestly can't imagine for you and that was one of the things that i wanted to talk about like that the kind of complex emotional landscape. because I, I mean, I was there, obviously, like there for Kate, and she's been on the show, of course. And that was just for me as a spectator, like the most emotional thing when she won, like just so unbelievably happy for her. And I'm so curious what it would feel like for you being, you know, clearly stoked for her right And like supportive and happy yeah. but also yeah. disappointed that especially because you guys run the same event I don't know like I had a lot of questions or maybe not a lot of questions just one question of what does that feel like <laughs>
1: um I was so excited for her um that was like so it one it was exciting to watch um it was emotional because I kind of knew her background and everything and um and then it was, God damn it, why not you? Yep,
0: yep, okay. Say more about that, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just because me and Kate actually raised each other in high school.
0: Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, I guess that makes sense. You guys are basically the same age, yeah.
1: Yeah, so California State meet 2006, me and Kate and a ton of other women, Justine Fredronic, (laughs) um, Leah Wallace, um, are all in the same heat in the final, like in a straight line, coming down the home stretch, (laughs) (laughs) trying to win a state championship. Um, and then we raced against each other while she was at Yale and I was at Wait, So who won that race? Go back. Oh, okay. So (laughs) Haley Lawrence, no, was it Haley Lawrence? Was that my – no, that was my – no, 2005. That was 2005, not 2006. Sorry. I'm going to correct myself. Um, no, was that 2006? Well, my year. It wasn't
0: ago. you and it wasn't Kate is the answer to this, right, basically? No, <laughs> yeah,
1: it wasn't me. It wasn't Kate. Um, it wasn't Justine. Um, but um, I've known Kate for a while, basically. Um, and so knowing her and knowing the person she is and – um, so all that was just like, we've been on the same level, if not, she's on a higher level now. Um, and it was just like, why not, why not me? Why can't I do that? And I was like texting my coach and I started like bawling while I was texting him. And I'm like, did you just watch that race? Um, cause he had already gone back home and he said, yeah, yeah. And I was like, my emotions just hit me um, and I'm screaming, why not me? Um, and he goes, I like it. And I was like, I, I don't want to experience that feeling that Kate's feeling right now with anybody else but you. Like, I want to. I I want that, um, and he goes. Sounds good to me. And he goes. I guess we're on another four year cycle. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's.
0: I don't know, I think just that question of, like, why not me, I think is really interesting because it can essentially be asked in two different ways, right? There's, like, the bawling, resentful pity party for myself, which, like, everyone deserves, right, from time to time. Like, why not yeah. me? Like, I feel bad for myself, like whatever, which is fine. But then there's, like, the other tone of, like, well, why not me? Like, if she can do this, why I can do this? You know, like, that it's almost like, I don't know, it's, like, funny how one question, if you just change, like, the perspective like you can either choose to see it as I'm going to be really down on myself or as like a huge way to lift yourself up
1: yeah um it's in that moment again um I had already been thinking about possibly moving um and changing coaches so that was another thing that was a kind of all accumulated in that, <laughs> that bubble of July 4th, <laughs> um, uh, I was like, okay, so four year cycle, maybe I need to change things up and go to a different coach and move. I was thinking moving to Portland. I had talked possibly about moving to New York and Syracuse. Like I just, so it was just kind of like, What do I want to do? I was kind of at that point and um, then Kate won and the realization of, I don't want anything. I don't want that feeling. But with the coach that I have now um, because of how close we are and how much hard work I know we can achieve together still. Um, And then uh, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it was, It was surreal, and then it was kind of like, you didn't make it out of, the goal was to make it out of prelims, and that didn't happen. Um, I'm not upset about it. I am totally okay, to an extent, um, because on that day, that's all I had. Um, It's not what I wanted, but that's all I had. I can truly say, I stepped on the line. Not nervous, um, excited, and ready to put myself in it, and I just came up short to make it to semis, and it's gonna that's gonna change (laughs) Um, because. I will make a final at USA Outdoors in 2017.
0: Well, I will be there. I'm very, I'm like, now I'm like all emotional for you. <laughs> it's, like, it's gone in like this very a good emotional direction. I, yeah, I mean, even that point, like that, you're like, you, I gave everything that I had and it just didn't happen on the day. Like that's, it's, I think what makes sport, especially running, like such this intensely emotional experience because like you're you kind of nailed training like you could but it matters like what you did on the day so like even for you when you were you know your coach was like well I guess we're going back into a four-year cycle like I can't wrap my brain around okay another four years for like basically one day (laughs) it's so (laughs) crazy I mean, I know it's not just one day, there's obviously a lot of races and a lot that happens in a four year cycle. But it's like, I think that that's, I don't know, like when, you know, just casual fans watch, let's say the Olympics, right? Like, oh, it's fun. It's exciting. But I think it's so easy to overlook that, that like really shiny experience is, I mean, probably more than a four year cycle. It's probably been, you know, like a long time for people, but Even just talking about a four-year cycle, like four years, I mean, how many hours of working out is that? You know, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) So, okay, so actually, that brings up something else. I'm curious about what a typical training week looks like for you. And obviously, I know typical is depending upon where you are in the season. But maybe even what you're doing right now, like how many runs and workouts, how you kind of fit that around your coaching and work and stuff.
1: Okay, so, hmm, this week is a down week for me, meaning um, I got a day off and my mileage dropped. Um, and I didn't have any doubles, so.
0: <laughs> so you have plenty um, of time to just lay around this week, and yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Right. Um, so this week, I'll just give this week. So. At a Sunday long run, which my Sunday long runs right now are ranging from 11 to 12 miles um, at just an easy, relaxed pace. Sometimes we do a progression run where the first half is easy and then the next half I progress if I feel um, good. then Monday is another recovery day. Um, and this week it was just a single run. Some days it's double. So if my mileage h- is higher, it'll be a double. And then I have weights.
0: So by uh, a double, you mean running in the morning and then later in the day? Yes. Okay.
1: Um, and that kind of fits around if I have work. So um, <laughs> if I have work, then it's run in the morning run in the afternoon and then work in the evening um, with weights all in that too. Um, And then Tuesday is workout day. So Tuesday is always going to be a quality day. Um, And that can be a range of whatever he has on the menu for that week. (laughs) Um, And then Wednesday and Thursday are usually recovery days as well. Um, just to kind of get my legs back under me, um, before big workout on Friday. So recovery
0: Uh, days for you, is that just easy running?
1: Yeah, it's just easy running. It's anywhere from, uh, mileage wise, it's anywhere from seven to nine miles. Um, And if I'm in a double, if I have two doubles that week, it's usually one day is shorter. So the morning is short or longer. So I'll say like have six miles in the morning and then four in the afternoon. Um, And just kind of, that's how that kind of works. Saturday is usually another like recovery run. um, And then to prepare me for long run. So our big thing, Three components um, for training is usually uh, Sunday long run and then workout on Tuesday and Friday.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a lot. Um, one of the things that I love about following you on Instagram is how often you post recovery related photos like foam rolling and all the different like fun tools you're using, because it always reminds me like, oh, probably I should be doing those things more. So I would love to hear about kind of the role of like that kind of targeted recovery in your training. Like, what do you do specifically for recovery?
1: Um. So... Um, Runs are kind of like more easy, so I don't have to really run that hard. So to me, that's like anywhere from 7, depending on how I feel, anywhere from 7.30 pace to 7.20 pace um, per mile. Um, then I have my yoga days, um, and yoga has become one of the main things that I pride myself on on recovery just because we've noticed me and my coach have noticed that it does wonders for my hips (laughs) um on tough workouts or workouts where I'm doing hills my hips are like locked up after um so yoga is something that kind of frees up all that junk and gets me kind of more fluid in um, for the next day. Um, so usually I do yoga anywhere from two to three times a week in the fall and winter. And then in the spring, it's one to two times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always foam rolling. Yeah, I mean, so says your Instagram. Yes, I see that. Um, <laughs> That was something that – and I actually wrote a blog about it that I never really did before <laughs> um, because I was like, I don't want a foam roll. This hurts. Uh, and then my body started to break down a lot more as I got older. And I was like, oh, maybe I should foam roll.
0: <laughs> maybe I should uh, take care of myself if I'm running every single day of my life. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So – um That has become vital. I probably foam roll anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour a day.
0: No Um, way. Yes, what?
1: (laughs) Like at a time. Okay, now I have a whole bunch more questions. As in like one whole day. So it's like broken up morning, evening, night type thing. Um, Or morning, night, or morning. Then like usually I foam roll and roll so any type of rolling so using the stick or roller or rolling my my feet out my planner um, before i work out or go on a run i kind of have to do that now um that i've noticed because it actually helps my blood well it helps your blood flow and get act and get your muscles activated before you just go out on a run um i wish i can roll out of bed and just go on a run that doesn't that my body would hate me. Um, and then from there, it's um, uh, usually, like, in the evening, like, before bed, I'm foam rolling. Um, and usually, I, I which is funny, I've done, I find myself doing it out of boredom. Like, I have nothing else to do. I'm going to foam
0: roll. <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay, so up to 40 minutes a day. Do you think that that's... Typical for other like pro runners, like other people that are at your level, do you think that that's normal?
1: Um, I would think so.
0: Oh my god, it's so much time. Okay, now you have inspired <laughs> me and to do. Do you have a favorite brand of either foam roller or recovery tools, or what are all the fun things that I see on in your Instagram? Basically,
1: all my all the fun things that you see are all added a day. so spell name A D D A. D-A-Y.
0: Okay, I'll put that link in the show notes. Um, but okay, okay. <laughs> tell me about them. I've never heard of them.
1: Um, so I actually currently am a part of Adide's, um pro-recovery team. It's like their sub-elite um, team. So um, they have an awesome foam roller called the Nonagon. Um, I'm probably saying that wrong. But um, it's got all the little knobbies on it. So I love that thing. And right. they make so all So it hurts
0: st- extra much? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and they make all the sticks. So all the sticks with the nodules on it or the little balls that everyone kind of has in their backpacks or, or at Fleet Feet or you kind of see around. Um, they make those and those things I love to death. Um, and then they have a ton of little other things that I actually have fallen in love with for my foot just because... Um, from like May until most recently, I had a lot of planter issues right after I ran 202, (laughs) which was great. Um, (laughs) um, yeah. Um, so, uh, from there all the way through, um, Olympic trials and even into a little bit of my early summer, fall training, um, where we kind of actually had to take time off because my foot was killing me. Um, so day actually has, um, a roller that's called the junior, um, which is made up of a base and then a ball that actually has, um, kind of grooves on it and I will put that like if I'm working and the track offices I'll put that under my desk and roll my foot while I'm doing work and it has been wonders like I'm probably doing that like all the time I probably do that more than for the 40 minutes a day but um yeah that's like one of my lifesavers so, so. in
0: addition to I mean this kind of like I don't know, specific body maintenance, recovery stuff. What's something else that you think that people on your level do that more kind of recreational amateur runners don't do but should do?
1: Um. Well, one is rolling. I've learned that one big time um, from kind of talking to people and them asking me, like, what I do. And they're like, you rolled that much. My, oh. Like my reaction? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, maybe I should roll and I'd be – I'll be fine. And I was like, yeah. I was like, well, it's not going to hurt to roll. I was like, you're sitting watching TV. Why not roll? (laughs) um, And then probably another one would be um, being okay with downtime. For me, I value... A recovery day like an off day like yesterday was my first off day in like 18 days I think and I didn't do a thing <laughs> I know most people are like oh that's still a day to roll and um, like do yoga and like still I believe that some days you just need to let your body rest get extra sleep um, eat well, and let your body truly recover. Um, I talk to a lot of people. They're like, "Oh, well, I have an off day, but I'm still that like they're still doing activities." And I'm like, "Just rest." I was like, "Go to work if you need to go to work, and then be on the couch and put your feet up and <laughs> like truly make it a recovery day." Mm-hmm. So. I think that's probably another one. Yeah. So something else that I wanted to ask,
0: if you had any just like advice or tips, you mentioned how good you are on race day, like maybe even compared to workouts. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, and obviously I can just talk from my own experience of I prefer workouts to races and I don't know I just tend to get a ton of anxiety and whatever I think that's pretty common and I think a lot of it I thought about it a lot recently just now that I'm getting back into running after like a year and a half off that I think a lot of the race anxiety comes from a fear of pain like not the oh my god I'm injured I have to stop like something's wrong but just the like pain cave type of pain right that Uh there's just I don't know that's and I again I'm imagined that I'm not alone in that so I'm curious if you have any advice or anything that's kind of worked for you?
1: Um, my, I can, it's really, I think I've gotten to the point, and I even did this a little in high school too, um, because workouts were not always perfect. Um, but I actually had a running log in high school as well. Um, and then kind of just going back, um, to those days where I conquered a workout or I con- conquered a couple workouts in that week um, because I've always told myself, I don't care what I've done like leading up like the that week um, before a race, I'm prepared to go run this race. Like I've prepared myself for how long to go run this race. I'm fine. Um, I say that a lot. I'm fine, <laughs> um, but um, I that, that's what it it for me. It is. It's I step on the line knowing that I've prepared myself in workouts to grind out 800 meters for two minutes and change, um, and my body will. I call it muscle memory. It will do what it's supposed to do. Um, Like, there, some days I do have that mental, like, oh, am I prepared? Oh, am I? But then that's, it's probably early in the season, and I don't know what I'm ready to run because workouts aren't fast yet, and they're still long, and I'm hoping that all the strength work will help. But, um, in the middle of the season, in the gist of the season, it's, you're prepared. Mm-hmm. You've done all the work. Just go race.
0: Yeah. And um, you're not like turning the race into some like mythical thing that all of a sudden, like <laughs> if you've done all the training, you're ready.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, an example would be <laughs> the week of States in high school for me in 2007, I, Tuesday that week, I had a terrible workout. I think we ended up, like, cutting it short. Um, It was, like, Monday, I believe, um, because I raced Friday, Saturday. Um, And my last workout would have probably been Wednesday. And it was, like, bread and butter, 200s, rhythm work, kind of just getting the legs going, And it was another bad one. (laughs) And I was like mentally like done. And I'm like, it's the week of states. And I'm like crying to my coach. And he goes, you're a wreck. And it's the week of state. (laughs) And I was like, I've just been, uh, everything's so bad. And I'm not prepared. And he goes, go read your running log. And literally that night, and the next night, that's all I did was read my running log. I stepped on the line for prelims, calm and prepared and ready to go. And knowing that in finals, I was going to put my nose in it and I want it to win. Mm-hmm. Because I had already prepared the whole season to do so.
0: Well, it's like full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning, like that external perspective of when you can make one or two things like mean something more than they actually mean to be like, no, no, read your log like you're fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so in races, whether it's, you know, that Uh, the pain moment or like when it is like really, especially tough. Are you someone who has, I don't know, like specific self-talk or mantras? Like, is there like what's going through your head, if anything, um, during the hardest parts of races?
1: Um, no, I don't think during the 800. (laughs) That's, I know that's really weird. No, I kind of, I let my body do what it knows how to do. Um, if i'm thinking i'm not racing well um interesting <laughs> yeah um another reason why i have i struggle with the 15 cuz i get to think <laughs> it's a little long and i get to think um but uh there are moments um i you i more have self talk in practice mhm uh, there was a workout that I was doing probably like a month and a half ago and it was long hill repeats, probably like 30, 30, no, it's like 30, 38 to 40 second long hills with pretty a lot of incline, which for me is hard work with short recovery, um, and, and my coach challenged me and a couple of the other ladies um, on the Sac State team because we were all doing it together. Of on the last one, who's going to take the risk to go do something big and put themselves out of their comfort zone and run? Like and like, who's going to set the tone? Um, and I, I, set the tone, and I. It was really. It was a really fast one. <laughs> I think I ran like 37 and most of my other ones were like 40s. Um, and I was hurting like the last 50 meters of the hill. And it was like final, final, you're <laughs> final at USA's, final at USA's. Um, so that was kind of my self-talk of getting through and digging and kind of pushing and not giving, giving up um, the last 50 meters or kind of backing out of it because it's hurting, um, in a race. Usually I always say if you run the 800, right, it doesn't hurt until the last 80 meters. (laughs) Um, and, uh, that last 80 meters, it's just guts. Um, it's kind of like, you're going to dig and you're going to hurt this last 80 meters. And it doesn't matter what you do. You just might as well just push and fall over at the line because this is all you're going to like, this is it.
2: Um,
1: So um, I kind of, I think already have that kind of self ingrained in me um, where it's like, okay, just keep pushing. Um, My coach Usually he's screaming short and fast, short and fast, because I can get kind of long um, when I start breaking down, where my form just kind of gets long and lopey. Um, so that's one that I kind of look out for. Usually sometimes if he's not even there, I kind of think short and fast the last 80 meters. I don't know how much of it I'm actually doing, um, but that might, I guess that's kind of self-talk the last 80.
0: Yeah. No, our- I love that. This, I mean... Obviously, I'm so curious about like, the inner workings of everyone. Um, so moving away from running a little bit, obviously, we're getting close to the end of the year. When you look back on this year, outside of running, what do you feel most proud of?
1: Um, outside of running, taking the risk to move. Um, so um, when it came up that my coach might get the Sac State Um, coaching position, we kind of talked about it, Um, and it was, if I get the position, I believe you can move, like, you, or I believe you need to move to Sacramento. My first initial thought was, why? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can be a volunteer coach and commute back and forth, like, you're in, like, because he doesn't live in Sacramento. He commutes back and forth. Um, and he goes, no, I think you need to fully immerse yourself in um, the world of elite running. Because before I was, I was living at home and I was dealing with home issues. And um, I wasn't around other women that were doing what I wanted to do. Um, and at the end of the day, I was like, okay, I guess I got to move. Um, but it's probably the best decision that I've made in the last four and a half years. Um, because I've probably had the best couple months of training, that I've had since 2009. (laughs) I mean, it Um, sounds
0: like you're, you're putting yourself first in a way with this, you know, that this move was taking it seriously at another level.
1: Yeah. Um, totally was. Um, and then it also put me out of my comfort zone because home is a comfort zone. Um, and it, it totally pushed me to, okay, you got to move and you have to take on more responsibility at your job. So I pushed myself to get a promotion, um, to be able to make sure that I was able to financially make the move. Um, and that was awesome. And I'm excited about the promotion that I got, um, and then it was like, okay, you're now around all the ladies in NorCal distance and um, a ton of other elite runners in Sacramento. And they're getting it done. You're getting it done too. Um, so it was another reason of why not me um, and taking that, that risk of doing something that um, to do so, like I think I had said it earlier, um if you want to do something you've never done before, you have to do stuff that I don't remember the quote I said, but <laughs> um, but it's basically um, I had to risk big to be able to achieve what I wanted to achieve, and moving was the risk,
0: yeah, well, that like you can't have a different result if you're not willing to do different things.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. what I said. <laughs> so the last
0: thing that I wanted to ask you before we start to wrap up, um, outside of running, I know that you are super into fashion, interior design, that kind of stuff. Where did that come from for you, that passion?
1: Uh, I don't know. Um, I've, for as long as I can remember, I've loved interior design. Um, I actually wanted to, I was like, I want it, that to be my major. Um, but Carolina just didn't have it. Um, I love, I have a knack for seeing stuff um, visually and putting things together um, that look good. Um, and it's just always been a thing ever since I was like little, like wanting to rearrange a room um, <laughs> or help my mom pick something out um I was never too girly girly until I got to college um and that's when I kind of started getting into more of the fashion side of myself I always helped other people pick things out but not more so myself and um just because I was always like I don't know if I can wear that you can wear that, but I don't know if I can wear that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I've always had kind of the eye for it. And it's something outside of running that I have a passion for. Um, and I never want it to be one-dimensional. I never want it to just have running be my um, my, like, main like persona, like I want to have, I want to have many faces. Um, so I think that's kind of where my blog kind of lets me have that outlet outside of running and the running world because I get to experiment with makeup and fashion and decorating and do-it-yourselfers and I love that stuff. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, right? You hear that, like, people are successful, they like pick one thing, focus on that thing. And I mean, obviously, I think we'd both agree that yes, you have to prioritize like the things that you want to get better at. But I do think to your point that when it becomes too one dimensional, it's almost like you live and die too much by one thing, right? It's so much easier to go to that doubting place. You know, if you have a bad workout and your entire life is running and nothing else, okay, well, that's gonna have a, probably a more negative impact than if you have other things that you care about, which I mean, it's like, sounds silly to say that out loud, but I think that sometimes (laughs) we get too wrapped up in just one thing to be like, oh no, wait, also I like these other things, so it's fine for me to do those other, like for me, I'm even thinking about, you know, the future of the podcast and and all that kind of stuff. And especially since I just went back to school and like being in culinary school that I'm like, well, these two things don't really go together. But I actually love having two things that are really quite different because it gives like one gives you a break from the other. And it's like different ways to explore, you know, like no one is just one thing.
1: Yeah, I truly believe that. (laughs)
0: So the way that we like to wrap these up are with what we call community questions. So it's a group of, let's say, nine questions this season that Real Talk Radio listeners want me to ask each of our eight guests. So just kind of nine random questions if you are down for that.
1: (laughs) All right. Sounds (laughs) good.
0: So when was the last time you tried something new and what was it?
1: Oh... Um gosh, I'm kind of I'm kind of a bore. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you mo- you picked up and moved to a new city, that could count.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I guess that's that that can count.
0: <laughs> or maybe you now need to go try something new and then report back. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe I, I need to go I'm maybe I Oh no, I have one. So i recently bought a pair of adidas okay and i have always worn nike
0: and what do you think how do you like them
1: i like them i'm not running in them but i'm walking around in them
0: nice and I, I, like I, them. I like that how because of how much you know footwear plays a role in your life that like this new <laughs> thing is this like a really big deal yeah
1: it. <laughs> i like that i do
0: it's funny. Um, okay. The next question, what's something that you really love about yourself?
1: That I am
0: goofy. Goofy. How?
1: So I have a very silly, goofy, childish side that not a lot of people see. Um, but when it does come out, I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The people who really know you, they know that about you. yes (laughs) that's fun um so when you're getting to know someone new what is one of your favorite questions to ask or basically said another way what's something that you would love to know about basically everyone
1: Mm, um what their favorite color is because I i always ask that question i have no clue that's like one of my main questions of what is your favorite color
0: and then you can get all interior designing on them in your head.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Um, what's one thing that you know now that you really wish that you had known three years ago?
1: Mm. Huh. That's a good one. God, these questions are hard. Um, (laughs) um, Something that I know now that I wish I would have known three years ago.
0: Like if you could go back and talk to your 2013 self, what's one thing that you wish you would have known?
1: Oh, my gosh. Am I just boring
0: or? (laughs) You're not boring. (laughs) you can pass also you don't have to answer the questions
1: Okay, let's pass on this one, because I really don't know. (laughs) Okay,
0: it's funny, because you're going to have what I call the crazy 4 a.m. moment where you wake up at 4 a.m. and you're like,
1: I know the thing.
0: (laughs) You're going to be texting me like, listen, this is what it is. Or Um, when
1: we get off the call, I'm like, oh, I got one. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: Um, What is one non-negotiable for you? One thing, whether it's a large thing or a small thing, that you feel like it's really important for you to do every day.
1: This could be anything. Anything at all. Eat breakfast.
0: Are you? What's your favorite breakfast?
1: So it's either the vanilla almond cereal from Trader Joe's. Like their granola stuff, you mean?
0: Mm-hmm. It's so good, yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> um, oatmeal. And it has to be the apples and cinnamon Quaker oatmeal (laughs) Um, or waffles. Oh,
0: I haven't had waffles in a long time. That sounds delicious. (laughs) If I could hand you an all expense paid trip for two right now, where would you go and who would you bring?
1: Um, One, I would, mm, darn it, I can't really bring her right now, but uh, (laughs) it would have to be for a future date. (laughs) <laughs> that's fine. Um, but uh, I would bring Latoya James, my best friend. She lives in North Carolina. Um, she's actually pregnant. But <laughs> that's why I, I, I would say Vegas. <laughs> I know it's really silly because it's like all expense paid. Da, 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 but we haven't yet to make a Vegas trip and it's on our list. Oh, you've so, never been? Not together. Okay. Um, So that would be... The trip. Me and her in Vegas, no cell phones, (laughs) having fun.
0: That sounds amazing. I've spent a lot of time in Vegas. (laughs) Okay. Um, So obviously, we talked about goal setting a bunch as it relates to running. Um, But when you think ahead to 2017, is there anything else that's on your mind, goal-wise?
1: Saving for a home.
0: Like to buy a house, you mean? Yes. Ooh, I like that. Um, next question is about books. What would you say are, I don't know, one, two, three, however many books of any genre that have had a really big impact on you or that you find yourself recommending or rereading a lot?
1: The one that I am currently reading now um, is, oh my gosh, what is it called? Um, I'm going to have to like find it. Um, but I, I, it's like the, it's by Jim Ambro. It's one that Kate has talked about a lot. Um,
2: Kate the Champion's great.
1: Mind? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've read that one. Champion's Mind has actually been, has actually affected me a lot in the last couple months um, that I have now started to recommend to everyone. Um, so that is one. Um, and then I'm actually a big romance novel person.
0: My God, how are we just now getting to this? Because so am I. Have we talked about this? Probably not. Okay, go ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and not like the classic romance novels, like the teen (laughs) romance. No, I'm into it. I'm
0: I'm into all of it. Go ahead. (laughs) Don't tell me all your Um, recommendations.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um. There is one. Oh my gosh! And I'm so mad because I see it sitting on my bookshelf, and I'm spacing on the name. Um, and it's actually a series. And I'm so mad that you could, it's okay. You could email it to me,
0: and I could put it in the show notes. That's fine. Okay.
1: Okay. Good, because I love it. And it's it's one of those that it's about like fighting. It's like he's a fighter. It's it, but it's good. Wait, it's are good. you talking about Beautiful Disaster?
0: yes oh my God. by Jamie Maguire that's one of my favorites yes, yes. okay yes. uh love that I listen so I I don't listen to audiobooks as much now as I used to but I went through a phase where especially on long runs I would always be listening to audiobooks and mm-hmm. that one is incredibly well narrated so I listened okay. to that one on cool. audio um that one's awesome okay wait other book are there any other books like that that you love and want to recommend that I should read
1: <laughs> um I just got a series, but I haven't cracked it open yet. Like, I got a full series because I saw it in a bookstore. My brother bought all four books for me <laughs> for um, my birthday in June. Um, I will figure that out. I will look at what it is, and I will send that to you because it has to do – I'm a little weird. I like the kind of supernatural type stuff, and it has to do with kind of the supernatural – and a little bit, I think, on the fairy tale side of things. Okay, interesting.
0: I have a couple of girlfriends, um, both of whom have actually been on the podcast, and I don't think actually that we talked about this, but we basically have like an unofficial like dirty book club <laughs> where we just like recommend oh, and like all read the same, like, okay, erotica or you have to read this or you have. To... <laughs> so I'm always open for recommendations for fun romance uh-huh. or dirty books. Oh
1: uh, yeah I, I uh, 50 shades of gray. I read all of those. And oh yeah, I read those
0: in like a day. Please, yeah, so yeah, good.
1: it's like a couple of days, and they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I actually just read, uh, and this I feel like I've been recommending this to every single person that I know because it's the first book of this of the genre that we're talking about that I've been really excited about in a while, because like Beautiful Disaster, all of that I read years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so I read this book called Him by L Kennedy and Sabrina Bowen. I think it's Bowen. I can put a link in the show notes. Um, okay. It's so it's the first male, male book that I've read, like everything else that I've read, I've always been like male, female. And I, I don't know, I just I didn't really think about like that element of the genre before and it was recommended to me by someone and i've read a bunch of l kennedy's other stuff and i think she's fantastic and so i said okay let me give this a shot started reading it did not get up literally from the couch until it was done <laughs> and then there's a sequel also it's amazing and i've had people who usually don't like books of this genre like my best friend jamie read it and like all the same they all can't put it down so i think you should
1: probably try that one Yeah, it's probably going to be next on my list.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. I am about to reread it. So anyone out there listening who likes a good dirty book slash romance book, check out him. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Well, that's a fun thing that we have in common that we didn't learn until right at the end of this. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, So the very last question, when you look ahead at the next couple of months, what do you feel most excited about?
1: Um, The holidays, because I'm a big person on holidays and family. Um and then Indoor season.
0: Yeah, I've never I've never been to an indoor track meet.
1: Maybe I should go to one. Oh, you're gonna have to come to one of the Seattle ones. Yeah, or is there anything in Portland ever? Eh, I don't think this year. I don't know.
0: Okay, well, we'll see. I will get your race schedule. Um, so what's the best place for people to find you and say hi online? Do you have a favorite like way to connect or favorite social media platform?
1: Um, either on Twitter or um, Instagram. I try to answer uh, tweets and comments as much as possible. Um, and my handle is underscore run dom run underscore for both of those
0: and i will put links in the show notes thank you so much this was so much fun
1: yeah i'm excited to get this out and and see what everybody thinks
0: well and everyone go say hi to her for sure say hello say hello And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. I couldn't do this without you. And as I said way back at the top of the episode, this is now a 100% listener-supported show. The show is made possible by people like Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello, Nicole. Um, I'm super excited that you're here. Is it Kelly or is it Kelly Ann?
2: Actually, I just thought about that. Well, it depends who you're talking to. If you're talking to most of the population, like 99%, it's Kelly. If you're talking to, like, my mother.
0: It's Kellyna. That's funny. I love it. Okay, so we are going to play a quick three-question round of Would You Rather, which is my favorite game. Are you ready? hmm Okay. Would you rather always be super underdressed or always be super overdressed?
2: Underdressed sounds more comfortable.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that, too. At first, I thought overdressed because then, like, I don't know. I'm not going like, to offend someone by going to their wedding in sweatpants. But I'm like, you know what? If I had to be super dressed up all the time, I think I would be really miserable.
2: Yeah. And you'd be the outcast most of the time, too, because most of the time we're not always overdressed.
0: Yeah. And also, if that was just your thing, I guess people would come to accept that I'm going to be the person in sweatpants at their wedding. Like maybe I'll just get nice sweatpants or something.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, Okay. Would you rather have one hundred billion dollars or be granted any three wishes, but none of those wishes could have anything to do with money? Uh, Wishes. Absolutely. Yeah, I would pick that, too. Any idea what you would wish for?
2: Um, To be with my man for the rest of my life, to uh, spend, I don't know, I'm going to say like 10 years living right next to the ocean, like in a really beautiful house. And these are totally women. Um, staying healthy. Physically for the rest of
0: my life. Yeah, that's an awesome one. I, I totally just put you on the spot. but like, Something about like health for all my friends and family. Well, I mean, for the whole world, but yeah, <laughs> the wishes, the wishes would be good. Um, okay, so the last one. Yeah. Would you rather have your family read your entire internet history, everything you've ever looked at and you can't delete anything, or would you oh, rather dude. be secretly filmed at home and everyone at your job can watch?
2: Secretly filmed at home for sure I guess I just gave myself like an out myself on that but yeah absolutely that yeah I
0: am pretty boring at home like I don't think anyone would like okay she's reading again and like eating a cookie oh well but like I don't know my internet history mm, (laughs) I've like looked up some things Mm -mm, not so
2: much you want to see me like cuddling with my cat and playing all day that's fine
0: yeah totally well that actually could be fun right like cat cams for everyone I would enjoy that (laughs)
2: Mm-hmm. I always wonder, like when I'm doing the most random things, like hanging upside down and like my inversion table and just doing random stuff, I'm like, what do you know what people would think if they were actually videotaping my life? So that's that's a funny question. Well, I guess
0: maybe one day we will get to find out if your life winds up being secretly taped. <laughs> Hopefully someone tells me because I have yeah. a lot of questions about the inversion table. Um, okay, uh-huh. so why don't you introduce yourself to the rest of the listeners real quick, tell everyone where you live and one thing that you are totally obsessed with lately.
2: So my, Kelly, I'm Melstead and I live here in sunny Tucson, Arizona. It's really nice right now. And one thing I am obsessed with right now, there's so many, um, I am obsessed. Oh my gosh. Calligraphy. I just took a calligraphy lesson, like modern calligraphy lesson this weekend. And I'm probably saying this cause I'm like looking out at my dining room table. It's like covered, but every night I'm doing calligraphy and almost like, um, and you're actually, you you're usually like the nice, pen you're like dipping it and stuff um it's it's like art and it's really like soothing and I have to put myself to bed and remove myself from the calligraphy pen because it's so much fun yeah and people are asking me like why don't you just use the one that has like the ink cartridge in it or something it's like no it's something about dipping it it is really great I recommend it are you right-handed Left-handed. Yeah, okay, so I'm left-handed,
0: too. I mean, so I guess if you could do it, then it's yeah, more possible. But right? I always find, like, even just, like, normal pens, normal – you know, I remember – like, my terrible memory from third yeah, grade. Yeah, we, uh, we, we write over right, everything. Yeah, you have to – I had to take a penmanship class when I was in third grade, and it was the, like, ink – you know, same thing, like, inkwell type of situation. And I basically failed the class because I couldn't turn my hand in a way that I wouldn't smudge the wet ink. And anyway, so anytime something like that comes up, I'm always like, no, that's not for me, but good to know that you're left-handed, and it
2: works. I was, t- yeah, and so there was this woman online, she's called, like, the left-handed calligrapher, and she does, like, really beautiful things. It's, like, that's kind of when I got into it, but um, so check her out. And they have two different types of pens, and you, and I really thought that was going to be a problem, because I, even now, when I'm using a pencil, I get this thing on my hand, because I'm writing over it. It's not like that with this. Like, when you're painting, Nicole, do you smudge
0: when I'm painting, I don't think I've ever painted anything. But I get your point, yeah, because you're holding it differently,
2: <laughs> yeah. You're I painted like a wall, you're holding yeah. it away,
0: right? Yeah, it's a little bit different. Interesting. Okay. Well, that is... See, I learned something. This is so fun. Um, Okay. And I learned that you're left-handed. I know, right? There you go. So you are a member of our Patreon support squad, meaning that you're one of the people that listeners can thank for making this podcast possible because you make a small and powerful pledge that helps fund the costs of producing the show each season. And I would love for you to share why you decided to support the show and maybe something you love about being in our little community.
2: Cool. Yeah. So I got to be honest, Nicole. Um, I, for a while I didn't, I thought, you know what, this is like my favorite podcast and I'm like expecting the other people to do it. Like, screw that. I like, I love this woman. I love listening to these podcasts. I like, this is hours of my life. I've, you know, listened to you and your, um, people you're interviewing your guests. So that's why I did it. And I, you're amazing. I think that this idea should catch on and it will catch on, um, People are sick of ads. We're sick of just being infiltrated with them. And if we can trade that for a couple bucks um, and then feel like you're in a part of the community, because that's all we actually want at the end of the day. We just want to feel like we belong to something. So... Yeah, that's why. Well, well thank that you for is doing
0: it. So well said. It's funny. I can totally relate to your point about, well, someone else will just pay for that. Like, anytime until I started doing this kind of funding model for the show, it would be the same thing. Like, other shows, whether it's like NPR or something, you know, I'm always like, oh, well, other people will just do it. And finally, I'm like, wait, I like this. I am in a position to have, you know, like a couple bucks a month to do this. Maybe I should pay for the content that I like. And it's just, a, it's funny. Like, once you make that switch, and it, for me, it's kind of changed how I feel about just like what I spend my money on it's been interesting mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i mean essentially somebody's paying for it right so we're paying for somebody to bring the watches to the ads or i'm just going to pay a couple bucks and not have to
0: do that. Totally. Well, oh. I mean, that's such a good point. This is like a larger conversation that I would love to have at some point, maybe with a guest on the show, that this idea that money has to come from somewhere, right? that it's like podcasts mm-hmm. are basically either like the marketing arm of someone's business where they're trying to like convert people into clients or customers, or they're trying to sell you something via like sponsored ads, or it's a model like this. Like those are really the only options unless someone just like has all the money and time to invest in their own show, right? which is like not everyone does. I certainly don't. Um, anyway, yeah. So and I love what you said about the community. I think if the show does continue into next year, there's some really cool stuff that we can do um, just, I don't know, to bring the community more together, maybe to do some in-person events would be cool.
2: Yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be awesome. And for all the listeners, I didn't know this. She hooks you up. You don't just like become part of the community. You get like she's like you get freebies and stuff like the stuff that she's written. So It's cool. I didn't know that those were part of the perks. So, yeah, basically
0: anything that I do or have done is free for the people in the community and there will, you know, continue to be bonus content basically at least every other month, you know, while the show goes. So that's awesome. And I'm super grateful that you were brave and joined me for this.
2: My pleasure. I was so excited for it all week. So thank you.
0: And to everyone listening, if you love the podcast, if you want 20 plus hours of bonus content, plus like Kelly said, other bonus stuff as well. And if you want to help us reach the funding goal we need to hit in order to keep the show going beyond the end of 2016, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $8 or more for each eight episode season. I can't tell you how much your support means to me, and I can't wait to get to know you better behind the scenes in our community. So until next time, here's a big virtual hug and a reminder that we're all just doing the best we can, and no matter what, we're in this together.